do that together. Let's glorify him. Come on, let's spend a moment and just give him great praise. Hallelujah. 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 Wow. What an incredible touch and presence of God that is here. I'm overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed with what I feel in this house today. Let's praise him again. He's worthy. You know it. I know it. Let's give him praise. You can't praise him too much. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, I shouldn't be here today. I shouldn't be here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As it's already been mentioned here, Brother Jacob Phillips will be back tomorrow, preaching tomorrow night and Tuesday, and then he will be back next Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And then after that, Brother Cody Marks will be here. And then Brother Phillips will be back Monday and Tuesday. And we're just going to keep on rolling in Jesus' name. So I've got one little slot to be the pastor. One little tiny slot. And uh, I certainly feel like I have something from the Lord today. It is great to have the entire Gazonde family here, all of them, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And what a lovely family. It's good to have them all. It's good to have, how do I do this? It's good to have several Sarahs in the house. We have a sister, Sarah, that got baptized several weeks ago and filled with the Holy Ghost. It's good to see her. And it's good to see, yes, yes. And then Brother Isaac Roberts has a special friend here, and her name is Sarah. And it's great to have you with us here today in Jesus' name. <laughs> Don't they look cute together? Rose. Oh, my goodness. Brother Phillips, where are you? I apologize. My goodness. I thought my wife told me that... I was trying to pull the typical married man deal. It's my wife's fault. But uh, she's not hardly ever wrong. Amen. I do apologize. I know your name now. I'll never forget that again. Jesus' name. Oh, my goodness. It's great to have everybody in the house of the Lord. You're in a good place today. I want to reiterate what's already been saying here today. You get a miracle here today. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the lawyer says. 
I don't care what anybody in the world says. God is in control. I was, I was praying in the prayer room just a few minutes before service began. And I really felt like one of the things that we're struggling with is not that God can't do a miracle. And it's not that God doesn't have all power. But we're struggling with faith. There's a faith issue. And I want us to just lift our hands for several moments. And as much is within you, let's activate that faith today. God can and he will. Come on, it's impossible to please God without faith. God, we believe you solidly, firmly, thoroughly convinced. I haven't seen it yet, but I know you're able. There's a big difference. First Corinthians chapter number 16. And it just feels so, so good in this house today. First Corinthians chapter number 16. And we're going to begin reading in verse number if you got it, say amen. Oh, before I get started, if you have an iPhone, please make sure it's off. Please make sure your iPhone is off. Thank you. Now, I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effectual, a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. I want to read verse 9 again. The Apostle Paul is writing this epistle from Ephesus to Corinth. And he's saying in verse 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. And I want to talk to us for a few moments here this morning about opportunities and resistance. 
opportunities and resistance. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Everybody that is present here this morning is here by proper choices. We pray, God, that you will open up understanding. And the reality of it is, is understanding is the most valuable thing that there is in this building today is understanding. I pray that this will find its way into every heart, every mind, and every life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. With what's taking place in the Middle East, which had been seven days ago, all of the biblical tributaries that overlap and are a part of that reveals unto us that our remaining time on this planet is for the church. Regardless of what your view of the catching away or what the rapture is, make no mistake about it, what has taken place and is taking place in the Middle East is a divine indicator. You cannot escape it. You can ignore it. You can become self-distracted and act like it doesn't exist. But the reality of it is, is that it is a divine indicator to the people of God. It might, obviously, there's political and geopolitical and so on and so forth, ramifications and and things that are attached to this, but to the people of God, to the church of the living God, which is a mystery to Israel. It is a divine indicator to you and I that the next remaining days, however that long that is, belong to the church. And I have to tell you that I'm excited about that. I have never been more excited than I am right now. I was excited when I got here 29 years ago, but I'm more excited now than I was then. One of the reasons why is I've got a lot more people to help me be excited that we are in this together and there are great things that are taking place. This is, without question, one of those statements made by the Apostle Paul that has become a great attraction to biblical scholars, commentators, and just students of the Word of God. Apostle Paul, as I've already mentioned, is writing this infamous letter, the church at at Corinth was 
um, an amazing assembly. Um, in my opinion, only ever overshadowed by Ephesus itself, which I may talk about that here in a little bit. But here in verse number nine, the apostle is giving the church at Corinth the reason why he is going to stay put at least until Pentecost. For a great and effectual door is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. The journey to Ephesus is an incredible Bible study of great interest. The magnitude that Ephesus plays in the overall plan of God has almost been downplayed. But I really do believe that Ephesus plays such an incredible role in the completion of what God intended to do in that part of the world. But the journey to get the Apostle Paul to Ephesus was in and of itself an incredible Bible story. For example, Paul was already in Lystra in Acts chapter number 16. Had he continued to go west, Lystra is about 150 miles east of Ephesus, and the six churches of Asia Minor that are mentioned in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. Had the apostle continued to press westward, he would no doubt have ran into and evangelized that region. But in the book of Acts, chapter number 16, there is an amazing statement while the apostle Paul is on this particular missionary journey. Now, when they had gone through throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, this has been much talked about and dissected, as I've already mentioned, by biblical scholars and commentators, because here the Apostle Paul is on an infamous missionary journey, and the Spirit of God is telling him, do not go any further west. And you have to understand that when the Bible says Asia here, it really means Asia Minor. We believe Asia to be geographically a much bigger piece of, of real estate than what is being described here in Acts chapter number 16. What's being described here in Acts chapter number 16 is actually what we call Asia Minor. It would be like modern-day Turkey, um, Iraq, and some of those other areas that are attached um, on your globe. But nonetheless, here the Holy Ghost is telling him, do not go any further west. Now, there's a few remarks that I want to make here is that there are some places where God may say, wait. Even though the Great Commission, Matthew 24, Mark 16, Luke chapter number 24, almost all of them in conjunction with Acts chapter number one, where it said the uttermost parts of the earth, almost every one of those accounts of the Great Commission Jesus is saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that will happen, but God is coordinating this. 
when you understand this, this is not a theological ripple that makes God look inconsistent. It means that God is doing things in sequence according to a bigger plan. Okay? You may have never considered these kinds of things, but that is really the reality of it is, is that here, the Holy Ghost, the same Holy Ghost that was leading and guiding Paul and Silas, we know it was Paul and Silas because they're rerouted to Macedonia. In Macedonia, they end up in a Philippian jail. And in that Philippian jail, Paul and Silas pray and sing songs at midnight, and there's a great earthquake, and they have a jailbreak, and so on and so forth. That finishes out Acts chapter number 16. And so they are rerouted. God not only says no, but then God gives him supernatural direction to go somewhere else. If God tells you no, it's because God has another direction. Come on, we're still in the book of Acts. If God started out this thing doing things a certain way, God is going to wrap this thing up doing things a certain way. And so the Apostle Paul and Silas are rerouted. And it's not until the latter part of the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul that he actually arrives. Chapter number 17, of course, you know he goes to Mars Hill and then he goes to Thessalonica and he goes to several other places. And then in chapter number 18, he actually ends up in Corinth. And so the bulk of Acts chapter number 18 is in Corinth, but at the tail end of Acts chapter number 18, he finally gets to Ephesus, but he doesn't stay there. And it's not until his third missionary journey that the apostle Paul goes to Ephesus. Let's go to Acts chapter 19. Look at this. This is verse number one. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, when, after Paul left Corinth, Apollos was sent there. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. This is now the proper timing. It's the proper sequence. He's had the right experience. I, I could spend a lot of time talking about this, and there's a lot of substance here because God forbade the apostle Paul to go into Ephesus, and since that time, he's gone to Macedonia. He's been beaten and put in a Philippian jail. He's gone to Mars Hill and been rejected. He's, been, he's gone through some apostolic refining. It was a big blow to the Apostle Paul to go to Mars Hill and come up with a fabricated philosophical ideological message and departing Holy Ghost preaching. I hope you know that. I'm going to have to park here just for a little while because I, I don't want to make too big of a leap and, and leave you somewhere. I want you to ride with me. But what happened in Acts chapter number 17 is Paul, it was widely known all over the world for generations that the apex of Hellenistic influence was at Mars Hill. Philosophy, philosophical thinking, ideological thinking, the place of Greek mythology and idolatry. And here's the Apostle Paul going toe-to-toe, head-to-head with philosophers 
and he crafts a message out of the vast intellect that the Apostle Paul possessed. And there was absolutely no revival. But when he got to Corinth, he was still smarting from the sting of going toe-to-toe with the intellectuals instead of just rearing back and preaching. But when he got to Corinth, he said, my preaching to you guys was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and the demonstration. I don't care what this world thinks of Pentecost. We have got to operate in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost that cuts through left brain thinking and cuts through the religious opinions of man. Jesus said, think not what you shall say in that hour, but the Holy Ghost will give you what you will say. Clap your hands and give God the praise. But the Apostle Paul departed from that spiritual methodology. I don't know if he was intimidated or whatever, but he learned his lesson. Because Ephesus was maybe not as filled with as much intellectualism and mythology, but close to it. Because it was by far the most influential city of that day and that that region. And when Paul got there, this is what he preached. Acts 19 and 1 says this. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and found certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And so that's exactly what the Apostle Paul talked about. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul that John verily or truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Now when they heard this, it should be rebaptized because they'd already been baptized by John the Baptist. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Maybe I'm talking to somebody. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that has not been baptized in the name of Jesus, but you were baptized in the titles. You have to understand that the doctrine of the Trinity is the very first man-made doctrine that was implemented in the history of the church. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Somebody clap your hands and give God the brave. Colossians 3.16. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Clap your hands and give him the praise. Hallelujah. And so the apostle Paul finally arrives at Ephesus. And he ends up staying there for three years. Somewhere, the Apostle Paul prayed for a breakthrough. It was resisted by Jews He was resisted by a coppersmith and a silversmith. He was resisted by Hymenaeus and Philetus, other brethren. 
He was resisted by worshipers of the temple of Artemis. He was resisted by the government. Somewhere, the Apostle Paul prayed for a breakthrough. And he communicates that God had responded to his request. And that request was that there is an open door. Whenever you see the terminology or the term door, I know that Jesus said, I am the door. But in the evangelistic efforts of reaching this world, a door is a God-given opportunity. It is God-given. It is not something necessarily that is generated from man. It is a God thing. And the Apostle Paul recognized that a door, a great and effectual, that means that there is, there is a lot that's, gonna, that's on the other side of this door. I'm trying to preach to somebody here today that if you've asked God to open up something in your life, I don't care what it is, the worst thing you can do is quit when God opens the door because the resistance seems too great. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Oh, it's going to take a little effort. Oh, it's going to cost me something. Ladies and gentlemen, that is no time to pack your bags in isolation and suspend it and imagine that's time to square your shoulders and go through the door. Oh, somebody clap your hands right now. All over this congregation, there's people that have said, God, I need something to happen. I need you to get involved in my situation. Well, when God opens the door, you don't need to be on retirement. You, need, you don't need to be sitting on the fence. You don't need to be thinking about backsliding. You need to be saying, this is what I've been waiting on. I'm ready to move forward. I want somebody to clap your hand and give God the praise. I'm preaching to this audience here today. God's got us here in Spokane, Washington at such a time as this, not to go into retirement and not to act like we have arrived, but be ready to go through the open door. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul was not looking for pity. He was not looking for a way out. He was not looking to send Timothy, at least not right now. Timothy did supersede him. His son of the gospel became the pastor at that thunderous church in Ephesus, but not now. It's still being carved out by the, past, by the apostle. And I know I'm going to retire someday. I'm not ready to retire. Brother Roswell, I'm ready to push this thing as absolutely far as I can for the rest of my life. I'm not looking to go on a cruise. I'm not looking to find a, a certificate on a golf course. I'm not looking to take a holiday out of nowhere and never come back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here to push this door until it flies off the hinges because it is a great and effectual. Clap your hands and give in the praise. There's people on the other side of it. There's backslidden children on the other side of it. There's backslidden family members on the other side of it. Your neighbors are on the other side of that door. Your coworkers are on the other side of that door.
Paul wasn't sending a note to the church and say, somebody help me. Somebody grab your violin and we ain't got no violins around here. I am thankful for this incredible music and worship around this place. I'm very thankful about that. The Apostle Paul wasn't saying, you know, I need a sabbatical. He said, I've been waiting for this. I've been praying for this. I've been looking for this. You have to make sure that your plans aren't separate from God's plans. You got to make sure with all the things you're planning on doing that they don't actually conflict with the prayers you've been praying. Oh, yeah, you know, I forgot about that prayer, and uh, my, I changed my mind, and I want to do this now. And, I, and God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm thinking about that prayer you prayed before, and, and, and I know they've made up their mind to walk away from this and denounce this and denounce you, but did it ever dawn on you that I'm where they're at, and as you're staying faithful, I'm working over there? You don't understand. While you're sitting here enjoying the Holy Ghost, God is working on your prayer life and answering your prayers and opening your door. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I rebuke a spirit of unbelief. I rebuke a spirit of misbelief. I rebuke a spirit of doubt that just wants to go through the motions. No, 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 no. Everything is intentional. Everything means something. Everything has a purpose. Clap your hands and give him praise. Apostle Paul, he talked about this in other places. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 32. But if after the manner of men, I have thought with the beasts of Ephesus. A lot of expositors have tried to say that this was referring to the Colosseum. It is not a reference to the Colosseum. It is in reference to human beings that were resisting the demonstration and the power of God that was at work in Ephesus. When you go, and I'm not going to do this this afternoon because we don't have time, but if you go through the entirety of the book of 1 Timothy and the entirety of the book of 2 Timothy, you will see the Apostle Paul using his knowledge of what he experienced in Ephesus, writing to a young pastor that's pastoring at Ephesus. And he said, look out for this person and look out for that person and, and look out for Alexander the coppersmith and look out for Demetrius the silversmith and look out for Hymenaeus and Philetus that are influencing people, telling them that the, the resurrection's been already. And look out for this guy that's telling people that he doesn't need to go to church and he doesn't need to do that. The Apostle Paul already had that all down. But the Apostle Paul said, you know what? This one's not gonna stop me in that one's not going to stop me and that one's not going to trip me up and that one's not going to stop this and this one's not going to stop this. I've got a door and I'm walking through this door and I don't care what devil says I can. I don't care what devil says I won't. I don't care what person's... 
There's people on the other side of that door that have never tasted the world to come, have never tasted the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and never tasted Jesus' name baptism, and never tasted the power of God. Lift your hands and pray right now for people on the other side of that door. Come on, lift your voice. Let's pray right now. By the authority of the name of Jesus. Co-workers and family members and backsliders and people in the valley of decision and people in confusion and people da 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 and da 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 and da 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 and da da I can't afford to backslide. I can't afford to give up. There's going to be blood on my hands. There's people on the other side of that door. There's people waiting on us. There's people looking for us. There's people expecting us. Clap your hands and give him praise one more time. In this house, everybody give him praise. Second Timothy chapter four, verse number 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Alexander the coppersmith started out being a good guy. But somewhere he soured, he got bitter, and he became an enemy of the work. If you go back and read the account where the Apostle Paul was dragged, here's what happened. They were preaching that there's only one God. And all these guys that were making these little figurines, these little idolatrous figurines of Apollos and Artemis and Diana, they were losing business with every person that went down in the name of Jesus and was filled with the Holy Ghost. They would say, we got to get rid of that apostolic church. He's turning everybody away from idolatry. He's turning everybody away from the temple of Diana. He's turning everybody away from false doctrine. But the apostle Paul says, you know what? Hallelujah. Another one bites the dust. We're just going to put them down, and they're going to come up. We're just going to put them down, and they're going to come out of the water. We're just, and finally... At first, if you'll read through the account, Alexander the coppersmith was there that helped Paul when he was being dragged into the middle of the city square. He came to the aid of the apostle Paul, but somewhere he either had unrealistic expectations or he didn't get, he, somewhere he got offended, somewhere he got off track, somewhere he got off his eyes off of what this is really all about, and he became an enemy of the apostle Paul. Let's go to the next scripture here, verses 17 and 18. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear. You know what the apostle Paul said? He said, I got to deal with this and I, I got to deal with that and I, I got this situation and I got this situation. But God's already opened up this door. God's done his part and now it's me to do my part. Come on, you've been praying that God's going to do something. When God does it, you don't need to be in retirement, kicking back, saying, well, I don't know. I don't really feel it right now. You ought to be on the edge of your seat saying, I'm ready for a miracle. I'm waiting for God to do his part. There's people involved. God will answer the prayer that involves people. Let's clap our hands, everybody. 
Let's get excited. I'm going to see God touch my neighbors. I'm going to see God touch a backslider. I want to see God bring somebody home. I want to see God bring a child home. I want to see God bring somebody that's in misery out in that world home. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And that all the Gentiles might hear. Look at this. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. In Ephesus. I don't think he was talking about a real lion. All that did happen. But that was many, many, many nautical miles away in Rome. I think what the Apostle Paul was talking about, the jaws of the adversary that walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If Paul would have quit, There might have been a little something going on at Ephesus. Six out of ten home missions worked, closed their doors. What's the difference with the ones that stay open? Six out of ten startup churches close their doors. What is the difference with the ones that stay open? I want you to think. If Paul would have quit, let's go to that scripture real quick up there, Brother Tristan. Brother Tristan is going to be a father in nine months. That's exciting. I'm looking for that scripture, I can't see it right away, that said that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord in the space of two years. Can you see that up there? I believe it's in 19, verse 10. Look at this. This is after the Apostle Paul was forbidden to go to this place. And when he was finally allowed to go, he was immediately resisted. You cannot quit when you're immediately resisted. This is the opportunity you've been waiting on. When he walked through that door, Brother Daniel, and this continued by the space of two years so that all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. Because he endured the resistance. He put up with false accusation. He put up with temptation. He put up with people lying. He put up with people preaching false doctrine. He put up with this. He put up with that. He put up with this. He put up with that. He put up with this. He put up with that. He put up with this. He put up with that. He said, I got to stay on track. I got to stay on track. I got to stay on track. 
And in the space of two years, in the space of two years, all of Asia, which we know to be Asia Minor, heard the word of the Lord. It is my theological opinion that Ephesus became the mother church for six home mission churches that became the churches of Asia Minor in Revelations chapter 2 and Revelations chapter 3 with Ephesus being the very first church that was being addressed. If you look on your map, every single one of those cities, Smyrna, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Thyatira, Pergamos, Sardis, every single one of them are within 150 kilometers of the mother church at Ephesus. But if Paul would have quit, if Paul would have said, you know what? I'm just not up to this. I know there's a great open door. I know there's a great opportunity. I know that God's going to do great things, but I just, I just can't do it. You have to understand that there's a principle, Brother Cody. Go to Romans chapter 7. You ain't never going to outrun this principle. Romans chapter 7. Last scripture on your list. I find then a law that when I try to do good, evil. I thought I, I, thought I was doing good. I thought, pastor, I, I thought I was doing good. I was going to prayer. I was paying my tithes. I was finally getting on track. I finally made a commitment, and God was honoring that commitment. And now it seems like I'm fighting more than I've ever fought. You don't understand. <laughs> I think we should do something right now, like pray. I think that you need to get a revelation that when you start going good, the devil said, no, you ain't. I ain't going to let that happen. I'm not going to let you start being faithful. I'm not going to let you get some traction. I'm not going to let you inherit the promises of God. I'm not going to let you get a promise from God right here, right now. I'm not going to let that thing happen. No, I'm going to resist you all the way. Pastor, I thought I was doing good. Pastor, I thought I was doing right. Pastor, I thought I was doing the right thing. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm not about to back up. I'm not about to give up. I'm not about to throw down. I'm not about to go down. I'm not about to sit down. I'm not about. I've been waiting 30 years for this. It's time to walk through the door like we never have before. Let's stand to our feet and lift our hands and give him the praise right now. God, I'm with you. I'm on board. God, I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not looking for the exit. I'm not looking for the right timing to exit stage left. I'm not looking for a little crack in this. I'm not looking to back out. I'm not letting, no, no, you opened the door. You did your part, and I'm ready to walk through this with squared shoulders, with my head held high, with my prayers going before me. Come on, lift your voice and give him praise. Brother Jordan, you come on, bring some musicians. Come on, lift your hands. God's here today. God's trying to encourage somebody. I'm willing to do my part. Are you going to do your part? Are you going to walk through that door? Are you going to influence that backslidden family? Are you going to influence? Are you going to forgive them? Are you going to move on? Are you going to tear the bitterness out? Are you going to get beyond all that? Are you going to work for me?
Come on, let's pray. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. I'm done preaching right now. We need to have a move of God here. We need to have somebody that shakes themselves and say, I'm still on board. I got a son that needs this. I've got a daughter that needs this. I got a backslider that needs this. I got somebody. Brother Jordan, just recently, somebody was looking around and seeing all the things that God's done around here and started coming off with just a couple, not really thinking, but just coming out with a couple condescending statements. I want to tell you, this means something. No, we didn't get up and whine about it. We didn't get up here and cry about it. This thing is right now, Brother Porter, at the place where we're ready with, with what's going on in the Holy Land. God, you open that door. Cornerstone's going to move through. Cornerstone's going to pull our parents out. Cornerstone's going to pull my neighbor out. Cornerstone's going to be on the job. Cornerstone's going to be ready. Cornerstone. Somebody shout. Somebody pray. Somebody give it praise. This altar's open. Open. 